for those that I haven't met before, my name is Michelle. Spit that out. Um, it is great to um, be here. We have got Boz's family here. How exciting. Welcome. I hear that you're heading home today. That's sad. Um, Boz, if anyone didn't know, I'm just going to tell the whole church family. It's okay. It's what we do. Uh, Boz had a special birthday last Saturday. Big 5-0. He looks so young. So this is why you're going to tell everybody. I'm 50. They're like, what? You're 50? And um, the family came along and they are in incredible musicians like outstanding it was phenomenal I couldn't dance I really hurt my knee from all my walking but uh, the dance floor was on it was a party like no other party it was awesome so happy birthday um, welcome and goodbye <laughs> um, nice to have you here but as you heard that um, our friend Brody who's um, getting baptized this morning up at um, man camp for many of you that um, know Brody Brody was um, a guy that, when this place was getting established, now it came to, I said 700 shrubs we were planting here, but apparently it was 10,000 shrubs that we had to plant. So not a little job, but there was many of us who was here for that. Like, just so much planting, right, guys? So much digging, you go home, you can't walk, and all the rest of it, at least for me. I was a little bit older than there were others. And um, Brody comes in onto the block, and he comes in with this six-pack, which isn't Coca-Cola, and um, it was nine o'clock in the morning, and I, what I love about his story is that he found family and he found home here at True North Church, and so to have this incredible Sunday where he's around with all those guys that have come alongside him, and now he's getting baptised, making that decision with all those guys, how incredible is God? Just rolled in, rolled on, like, what are you guys doing? And he was there, like, he was full throttle. That He was on that spade, and he was like, I was actually, I got out of the way for a moment because he was, like, really going for it. And I thought, he's going to hit someone with this shovel. Um, but no, there was no injuries. It was great. This morning, as we start off, I wonder if any of you have had a moment in time where either your child or a young person describes to you what you do as a job. Um, for me, this was, <laughs> yeah, right, it was, um, uh, Kim, you might have this occasionally in the role that you play, LJ, um, but for myself, I had started on at church, it was some 10 years ago, coming up to long service leave, that's exciting, and um, my then 11-year-old-ish daughter, Chantal Middlechild, um, she was about to describe to me what she thought I did between Sundays. And a lot of people also question this when they're like, well, what do you pastors actually do? It's a great question. Um, of which, at the time, I was employed full-time doing um, children's ministry and community care outreach sort of stuff. So had a lot of connection with our community, would, you know, do events, we would plan for Christmas stuff. We had these community engagements where we had over 300 kids for five days straight, people. Um, all this sort of stuff. So, I, you know, I anticipated some of the things she might tell me that, you know, I get up to. She knows, she hears. Uh, admittedly, I don't talk a lot about church when I go home, so to her defence. And um, so then she's like, Mum, all you do all day is have coffee with people. You do nothing. And I'm like, it's nothing like, you know, your child to just, you know, bring you down a level, of which I do do a lot of coffee, and that's a, a part that I actually love as part of my job, meeting people, hearing people's story, and all the rest. But there is a little bit more to my job um, than that, if anyone's questioning, what does the campus pastor here at Merrow do? There's a bit more than that. Um, and as she was describing that, 
And I wonder for ourselves that sometimes when we're in life situations and we also ask that question of God, God, where are you and what are you doing? You seem so far, you seem so distant. Are you having coffee with Jesus? What's taking place? Because there's all kinds of things going on in my world and I can't feel you and I don't know where you're at. And sometimes we will we'll think that he is distant, he's removed and he's, he's just off, you know, taking care of somebody else. But I believe that in a God who is sovereign, who knows the beginning from the end, he was there before the beginning. Before Genesis 1-1, God was there. At Revelation, God is there. In eternity, God is there. And that God is in all and through all. And he is creating this picture, this bigger picture, for across our globe, across eternity, that we are all a part of. And sometimes, while it may think, like Chantel, where we think God's off, doing whatever, just forgotten about us, doing nothing, that he is writing chapter after chapter in our lives, that he is planning out stuff and he's orchestrating things and he's putting things together and lining things up for each one of us. And that sometimes we can also think that in this grand big plan of eternity, how do I fit into that? Is what I do actually important enough or do I do anything that actually equates that I am part of God's picture, that bigger story that he is writing? And sometimes we could just think that, oh, disassociate myself from that story because really all I do, you know, there's a lot of housework to be done and folding of clothes and caring for children and doing these um, mundane job or whatever it may be that sometimes we say, well, God, if you're right in this big picture, and I hear all these stories of all these incredible people doing amazing things, well, am I actually a part of that story? And the answer is yes for each one of us. No matter where we are in our journey, where we are in our faith walk, that for each one of us, that there is a story being written. And we're going to open up um, one of the stories in the Bible where throughout the Bible, we see God working in all kinds of ways, and, and here's a great story here where um, we see in the scripture God working in the backdrops of Saul's life. So we're going to open that up. We're going to read through verses 14 to 24, but just a few chunks, so we'll miss a few um, deliberately, and you can read that maybe this week sometime. Starts off with some great names, which I, weren't, which I thought that, you know, we could rename these people better. Uh, so I can pronounce them. But I just make them up as I go. You can just read them. Whatever you come up with, you also read them as well. Um, chapter 9. There was a Benjamite, a man of standing, whose name was Kish, son of Abiel, the son of, let's call him Zero, the son of Becherath, the son of, son of Aphiah, of Benjamin. Kish had a son named Saul as handsome a, a young man as could be found anywhere in Israel. Take that, young women. Handsome, good-looking, and he was head taller than anyone else. Now, the donkeys belonging to Saul's father, Kish, were lost, and Kish said to his son Saul, take one of the servants with you and go and look for the donkeys. Pretty mundane, ordinary task. Saul, go out, find the donkeys for dad. 
um, verse 15. Now the day before Saul came, the Lord had revealed this to Samuel. About this time tomorrow, I'll send you a man from the land of Benjamin. Anoint him ruler over my people Israel. He will deliver them from the hand of the Philistines. I have looked on my people, for their cry has reached me. When Samuel caught sight of Saul, the Lord said to him, This is the man I spoke to you about. He will govern my people. We skip down to 22. Then Samuel brought Saul and his servant into the hall and seated them at the head of those who were invited, about 30 in number. Samuel said to the cook, bring the, the piece of meat I gave you, the one I told you to lay aside. So the cook took up the thigh. Who's a fan of the thigh over the breast? You, you, JP. Um, go get the breast. You know, it's a bit more leaner meat. I just had this poll knowing where my people at, but you're clearly thigh. Okay, it's good. Um, that was the choice meat, so JP, I might have to serve that up one time for you, call you around for dinner. So the cook took up the thigh with what was on it and set it in front of Saul. Samuel said, here is what has been kept for you. Eat because it was set aside for you for this occasion. From the time I said, I have invited guests and Saul dined with Samuel that day. It is amazing in this story that um, it's donkeys that connect to the bigger call of God in Saul's life. That over here that um, I'm going to first put up, that first point is how the mundane connects. That for each one of us, that our story in the scripture here, we see that Saul, while clearly looking for this donkey, this mundane task, this task that um, he had been sent out, go get a servant, let's go find this donkey, off he goes. And although it being so mundane, so like just an ordinary job, God uses that. And that is sometimes those most regular mundane things, mundane tasks, mundane ordinary things that we get to do that God takes and captures and uses for his bigger picture. And this pathway that recognises that there is a bigger picture than ourselves, even in those little jobs that we get to do. I have a tendency, and I, I think many of us would, where sometimes we can despise those little things. You know, the little mundane tasks that each and every each, everyday life brings at us. You know, the washing the dishes, the folding the clothes, uh, you know, mowing the lawn for the guys, maybe I don't do that job. Um, all these kinds of things, you know, the work routine, whatever that, that looks for yourself, the kids that you've got to look after in school. And some of these can be just like tasks that we have to do. And we see here that God has used this guy's soul in the mundane task that he, choose, he chose to go and take hold of and do well. And in this case, the man, um, this man named Saul here has been described, as we read in verse 2, distinct among all other people. He stands head and shoulders above them all. He is more handsome than them all. Now, if he was on Instagram today, he'd be like lit up, great profile. It says here, he is a good-looking guy. He's, he's looking great. He's got it all together. The head and shoulders above everybody else. He's an amazing guy. And yet, what is going to connect him to God's call? Isn't the verse 2, how good he looks, head and shoulders above everybody else, got it all together? It is the verse 3. It is the mundane, will you go out and search for that donkey? Will you go out and do that? 
we can get caught up in verse 2 where we seemingly want to impress everyone around us and we look like we've got it all together and, you know, social media is a great thing where we put the highlight reels of our days up there and, and look at me and this is a great, perfect picture of the family-loving life and five minutes before that they're all screaming, carrying on, who's done this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, you've got, that, you've got that picture going and it's like, look at them, they're all great. And before that the kids are all fighting and carrying on. Um, we sometimes can have this image, this look, this I've got it all together, this is all coming together well, I'm looking the part, I'm feeling the part, everyone at work thinks that you're smashing it, you're knowing what you're doing. Um, when Dean actually asked me to come on as this role, I laughed, I'm like, are you kidding? Like, I have no clue what I'm doing. And um, anyhow, but with some of us, we would say that you know, you've got to look the part in the corporate world. And, and I hear of um, my daughter who's um, started off at work and you hear of these people, these partners of organisations that are corporate companies and they're all looking the part and they're all doing what they need to do. But I wonder what is going on in the inside because we can perceive this image of, you know, verse 2, handsome, good-looking, got it all together. But yet, sometimes we can ignore those simple tasks that come our way, that think that maybe we're just not, we're not cut out for that, we're a little bit better than that, that can be given to someone else to do. I'm like such and such person, someone else can do that errand. But God uses this, these simple errands. God uses the donkey. God uses the things that seem mundane, seem ordinary, seem like they matter not a lot. And he directs this man's path. He uses that to bring him into a place where he now, from chasing donkeys, is going to lead his people. That he was willing, that he was diligent, that he was faithful in what was, what was set for him. And that he goes out and he, he's, his world will change. Sometimes we think, well, you know, someone else can take care of that task. Someone else can do that simple job. Surely there's someone else that can do that thing. But yet in that, what is built within us sometimes? One, humility, character, strength, growth. It builds all these things within our lives that set us up well for the future plans of what God has for us that there's none of us that are excluded from what God wants us to do. There is, you know, toilets to clean and floors to mop and all these things to do. And that in the mundane, that God is working through it all. That God is doing something in each one of us, that um, we see this in Paul's life and, and how he was faithful and diligent in what God has given him. And often for us, we'll ask that question, well, God, just give me what... You know, that big picture plan is for my life. Tell me what, you know, what my calling is. Tell me what it's going to be, you know, 20 years from now is generally like, you know, just tell me what it's going to be. And I feel like what God's response is often to us is if you can just be obedient in the next 20 minutes, do this what's in front of you, we're on a pathway to take you where we're going. That, that mundane job, that thing that you have been set to now, if you just be diligent, you would have a character, a heart, a faithfulness in what you have been entrusted with here. For 20 minutes, 
then maybe we'll get somewhere in life. That pathway to where God is, is steering us and connecting us. We can sometimes ignore those donkey moments. And yet God is saying, hey, I've set this for you. This is something that may lead to a pathway where I've got you. So for each one of us, that, that verse 2 stuff, that, that, that imagery of, you know, looking good and having it all together, that isn't, that isn't what connected soul to what God's plan was. It was the simplicity of doing this task, mundane, ordinary, following after a donkey. That's what connected him to the calling. The next point, the day before is orchestrated. I love this story and I love seeing the, the different ways that God is working here. So Saul is on his merry way. He's looking for these donkeys. He's being called. He's doing what he's been told. And in the meanwhile, God's whispering to Samuel. Samuel was that local town um, prophet, seer, the place where people would go where they want to hear direction from God they would go to Samuel and God's whispering in Samuel's ear and this is the day before Saul arrives so while Saul he's just out finding his donkeys he's been through three providences it's taking a long time it's taking longer than he anticipated he's now starting to worry about you know his dad who's probably going to start worrying about him instead of the donkeys because it's taking so long and all the while that God is whispering to Samuel. And God is saying, there's this man that's going to arrive tomorrow. He's orchestrating, he's moving, he's, he's doing things. That this ordinary life um, that whilst Saul was going about his day, thinking that, you know, just life is life and I'm finding these donkeys, I don't know what's going on, I don't know who lost those donkeys, but, you know, it's my job to find them and he's trying to find them. And sometimes for ourselves that we would be, we would have these things, tasks, mundane things that we've got to do. That maybe it's a result of someone else's dropping the ball, whatever, mismanagement, whatever has taken place. And now it's fallen to us to be able to, it's, it's a task that we've got at hand. Like Saul, he didn't lose the donkeys. But yet, he diligently, faithfully went out to find them. And that for each one of us, sometimes we got these tasks that have been given to us. And it's like, but we had nothing to do with it. Or sometimes it's just daily life. But what we get to be a part of and what we get to choose is how we deal with what we have got. And to know that God is orchestrating all sorts of things that we are so unaware of. In this part that we see where um, God is speaking to Samuel, where God is um, telling him about what is to come, this man who is um, walking into the town and he whispers to him. But that willingness for each one of us to do what is in front of us, doing the dishes, doing, changing another dirty nappy, being um, diligent with those kids. It's term four teachers, week one, now, what, how would it look that if we go into week one, week two now, term four, and those kids, they're starting to get ratty and tired also, and they're causing mischief. I was one of those kids. Sorry to all the teachers. How do you go in there with maybe, just maybe, that God is going to do something in this moment? 
that God is working in every moment of every day. And I don't understand it. I don't know it. It may not even lead anywhere, but to know that God is doing something in those moments. That we can speak life into kids. We're at work, we're at wherever we are, that, you know, we're getting tired. It's the last part of the year. How do we go in there with this, this thinking that these mundane tasks, that God is working in them? that God is working through our lives, that he is at work, he's whispering names in other people's, you're looking for jobs or whatever. I believe all of that is taking place. I often think of all the yeses I had in the, my mundane tasks of, you know, cleaning boys' urinals at Whitford Church and cleaning up and cleaning up after funerals and cleaning up everything where God was just orchestrating every yes in my life to lead me to today. And that for every one of us, it is the same, that he is orchestrating all kinds of things in our lives, in the backdrop we're unaware of. But what we get to be a part of is being diligent with what he's given us here and now. The next 20 minutes, the next hour, the next day, whatever it may be, that we get to do our part there. With that idea that we are not out to impress anybody, but what we get to do is surrender it all to God that we are in humility to God and working as if unto God. That we realise that God is at work in all spaces. When we look at that sovereignty of God and look at how that big picture is being painted and that he is writing each one of us in there. We are so unaware, like Saul is so unaware of what's going to take place tomorrow but he is working through that. He has some stuff reserved for you. It's my next point. Where Samuel knew what was going to take place tomorrow, Saul having no idea of this, yet God set up the day before. God set up, spoke to Samuel in verse 24. He says, eat because this has been set aside for you. The day before when the cook was preparing, remember the thigh, JP? He said... Hang on, don't give that to anybody. We're setting that aside because we know what tomorrow is going to be. There's a man going to come in. His life is going to be changed. He's going to lead the people of Israel. We're setting that thigh aside for him. And so he's whispering all this to Samuel and Samuel knew what was going to take place that day. Saul still focused in the background, focusing on that donkey, focusing on what's taking place there, where is the donkey, and they're thinking they're coming into town to meet with this prophet seer to give direction on maybe he'll be able to tell them where the donkey's at, but they have a different message to communicate. Samuel knew what was, what was coming when Saul came into town, and over here when they say they kept that that thigh aside. In some translations, it will say what was reserved for. And for each one of us, that God has things reserved for us. He has this big picture that we can't comprehend or understand. And yet, he says, for now, these mundane, ordinary tasks, we can do that. Can we do that? We get to do that. And that he goes, that's what I need you to focus on. In the meanwhile, he is whispering, he is speaking, he is speaking to your next boss, he is speaking to that next person, the person that you know may give you a promotion, whatever it may be, 
And I believe the sovereignty of God is at work in every one of our lives. I'm going to invite the band to come up and we're going to pray. Love to get you all to stand up if I could. That as we do wrap up, what I'd love to ask if anyone would like prayer and if you do, just hands in, in front of you would be good as um, just as a representation of God. I trust that you are in the Monday. I trust you, Lord, that you are sovereign God and that you are working all things out in the Monday. And that, Lord, that you are in the backdrops, you are not far from me. And I'm going to trust that you are at work here and now. So I'd love to pray for us as we, as we just trust in God this morning. That he has plans. That he has things that he needs to line us up to. And what we get to do is be diligent what he puts in our hands. Heavenly Father, I thank you. That Jesus, that you are in the midst of every moment that we're a part of, that you are never separate from it, you are never di um, distant from it, you are never far away, that Jesus, that you are at work, that you are in the midst of speaking, preparing, lining up for our future, that Jesus, that we believe that you are on the move, that you are preparing things ahead of us, and that, Lord, we pray that you, we would trust you in the moment, trust you in the mundane, trust you in the ordinary, trust you in the task that you've given to us, that we would, um, Lord, just humbly come before you, God. That we wouldn't do that for the applause of others, but we would do that for the applause of heaven, Jesus. That our lives would represent that of heaven in this earth. That, Heavenly Father, we pray for your spirit to be at work in our lives, for your spirit to move. That, Holy Spirit, we ask that you would equip us for every task that you give us, that you equip us for the mundane, that you would give us joy and peace and, and Lord, that surrender, Lord God, that there is nothing too low and nothing too high that we cannot do. That, Heavenly Father, that we'll go into our weeks where we are excited for the mundane because you are in the mundane, that you are at work in the mundane and that you are moving through it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.